Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. You can connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Facebook and Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. It's the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who would also appreciate brisket and new shoes. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> Brisket and New Shoes is actually the dopest name for a hip-hop uh, mixtape from from the state of Texas. Uh, I am all the way here for it. It could also be our podcast about cow ranching. It, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, or, you know, like a good Texas, uh, you know, car washes that have taco stands in them. You know, a, a tire shop that also barbecues. Um, but we're, we are talking about B. John Robinson, who is doing the Lord's work for those who, who do for him. I believe there's something about doing unto others. Bijan uh, getting some of the best barbecue in the state. Our boy Grant Pinkerton, uh, who sponsored him, uh, getting, getting the big fellas, the the beef, the the boys up front, in on the uh, in on the action, spreading the love. Because again, like the guys who who buy their lineman watches after a Super Bowl, you know, you keep the big fellas happy. Everybody else eats. You know what? Tom Herman did a lot of bad things, but Tom Herman had a really smart philosophy about football. And he said, at the end of the day, it's still a game about moving people to a place where they don't want to go against their will. And that's why you need big men. And that's why uh, running backs like to keep their linemen fed and happy. Again, comfortable feet. You're only as comfortable as your feet. And who doesn't like good barbecue? But we're not here to talk about all of that smoked meats and good shoes. We're here to talk about smoking some folks from Lubbock, Texas. We're going to talk about Texas putting the boots to the Texas Tech Red Raiders. That's not one but two segues. Double segue alert. Come on with it. I'm on fire. That's what happens when you have a cold brew at 5 o'clock because you've got two kids that don't like to sleep. But anywho, Texas decided to just run up the score. As someone who's firmly on team run up the score, I'm all about it, putting 70 on the Red Raiders. And honestly, they didn't even run it up as bad as they could have. They probably could have gone for 84 if they left the starters in for a couple more drives. But anywho, Texas finishes 70-35 to against Texas Tech, the 12th 70-point performance in school history and the first time since um, Joel Klatt lost a big chunk of his (laughs) college memories and Texas beat Colorado in the Big 12 championship game. Kyle, there's a lot to talk about from this game. But overall, what I want to start with is it's in the three wins this year. There's been this feeling or lack thereof of Texas taking care of business against teams that they should. And I am not used to or accustomed to not getting a heart rate alert from my watch (laughs) in games against teams that Texas should blow out. Yeah, the Big 12 hasn't felt easy the past couple of years, even if Texas was more talented. I want to go back a second and just say Joel Klatt's Stockholm syndrome that came from our last 70 point <laughs> performance. Like he, he is the biggest Texas fan and I love, I'm not I love it. I'm not uh, <laughs> I adore it. Um, but yeah, I mean, winning against teams that you should, right? I think 
there was no doubt on paper that Texas was the better team against Texas Tech, but that's been the case for the past 15 years. And that doesn't mean that Texas is 15-0 and 0, uh, against that Tech team, right? So um, it is nice. It's nice to do that. 70 points. The, the interesting thing is going, you know, we live uh, in an internet ecosystem and seeing people uh, who still have a, a means to take umbrage and we will we will we will find pimples on the prom cream we, we will pick where there are nits to be to be picked um but you know the, the overwhelming feeling gerald is let's just let's just enjoy this let's feel good this was an all-time offensive performance they scored their 70th point with 13 and a half minutes in the game they could have very 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 easily uh got this one to 77 or 84 like n- not kidding at all with the second unit they could have done that um you know had a uh, blocked punt we'll talk about that you know very easy there was points left on the board which is crazy to say in a 70 point uh, offensive performance when you're able to get Charles Wright yeah into the game in a conference game which no no affront to Charles Wright you and I are big Chuck Wright supporters yeah but you don't expect to see Chuck in a conference game in uh in, in any point in the season but it happened. So getting getting the third team quarterback some reps feels like a good feeling. Again, especially based on recent history in uh, for the University of Texas. So it, it, there's the offense is the po- the real big positive story to talk about. And the offense again put up just absolutely ridiculous number: six hundred and thirty nine total yards, three hundred three rushing, three thirty six passing, eight. yards per play in that contest so just putting up big numbers Casey Thompson uh for his efforts he put uh, went 18 to 23 for 303 five touchdowns and an interception could have had a couple more but missed a few wide open receivers Uh, also uh, added in seven carries for 29 yards and a score uh, for his efforts Uh, got big 12 offensive player of the week week Uh, also the Maxwell and the O'Brien player of the week so Casey Thompson had an incredible incredible outing it's and it's hard to critique uh like what a 225 passer rating yeah but there was a lot of, there was still money left on the table for him in probably the best performance we've seen from or at least him and, and a quarterback at least in, in a couple of years and Casey's already said since this game you know Monday morning in, in his media availability that he's already got a couple hours of film study and you know um he he I think as much as anyone understands that there is another level, a next step, even for what was a wonderful game. I mean, his efficiency, uh, the, you know, 22 of the last 27 drives, 81% of his last drives since dating back to that bowl game uh, have been touchdown drives. You know, uh, 24, 27 of those, almost 90% have gotten points of some kind. Uh, that is that is electric efficiency um sark said he's been around the game a long time and he doesn't remember uh a two-week stretch where you don't have to punt the football you know um first time in school history but that's incredible uh you know so look right i think there's there's the good and 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 i think we should focus on that but again the same way that casey thompson is looking at his game i think there are also i'm going to call it room for improvement i think the deep balls he was two of six with with one you know negated basically with the penalty uh through seven relative deep balls um on one of them 
it wasn't on him first one of the game Washington uh, tripped kind of on his feet or the defender's feet but uh, no no call and that was okay um, the, a player who played really really well for Tech give credit where it's due Taylor Demerson their safety who was a I think a running three-star running back recruit out of high school but has really looked like an excellent big 12 level safety he had some good plays all around um, had a last second tip on the what would have been a six for worthy just got a hand in there uh, on a corner route um, he did throw Whittington out of bounds on basically a play they ran where he blocked for the first three seconds like he was blocking a screen and then went to the pylon it just so happened he threw it about three yards outside the pylon um his next one was the worthy touchdown from 23 yards out um penalty was immediately following that so no 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 contest basically overthrew josh moore but whittington was there is how i'm gonna grade that one on that catch um and then the last uh, deep throw he had was where he scrambled um actually did a great job i think um again we'll get back to the good um but didn't have a ton of pressure but always knew how to climb the pocket step out of the pocket move around in the pocket but on the int you could tell the, the, the juice was flowing. He was feeling like he was 10 foot tall. It's heat check. Um, scrambled yep. out, didn't set his feet, kind of back foot rolling to his left, just tried to chuck it. And it was the right read. If, if he throws it strong to the back corner of the end zone, that's a touchdown. But uh, that, that was the interception there. So, uh, again, room t- for improvement still for an offense that scored 70 and had some more to say. That's great. That, I mean, literally we say this all the time on this podcast. That is a coach's dream. Do something that very few teams in history do, but say, ah, we could have done even better, right? Like, it's not, you're not chastising them, but you say, you see that gear? You see that next level we can be? That should make, if you're a football player, that should make you excited to say, we, we have a little bit more in the bag. I think you hit the nail on the head that the interception, there are like two different things that you can coach on that. One, you know, Casey. For for all of his his good things, he does lack a little bit of zip on the on the deep ball, and so you've got to coach him through some of that and how you make that decision. But the way he ran it, he ran it like you want to run it. He he rolled out to avoid the coverage. He flattened at the line of scrimmage. He kind of kept his eyes downfield the whole time, and he found an open receiver. He just didn't have the zip on that ball that he should. And that he, there were a couple that he floated and kind of flirted with, uh, a, a you know a, a defender getting in there. So that's again something that you can coach. But the other coaching aspect of that is. Like you're up four, you're up 28. Like take take the easy yards, set Dicker up on the left hash, do what you gotta do, right? Go get get four yards, run out of bounds, get it set up on the left hash, and, and let Dicker take the three points. So there's there's that aspect to it as well. And again, when you've got a quarterback who wins all of the available offensive you know, quarterback of the week awards, and you walk away with something to coach. That's that's a good outing for Texas, but we do have to talk about the ground game because the ground game is doing. Um, there's no other way to say it. the ground game's doing some stuff. Uh, some stuff is the only way to say it. But for just the second time in school history, Texas has hit more than 300 rushing yards in consecutive weeks, helmed by Bijan Robinson, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, 18 carries for 137 yards on a 7.6 yards per carry clip. Bijan uh, also contributed two catches for 54 yards and a touchdown. You may have recognized the concept from that touchdown. And guess what? Texas Tech recognized it as well, and they couldn't do a darn thing about it because Bijan did Bijan things. So Bijan finished 20 touches, 191 yards, and a score. Roshan got his as well, 13 carries, 64 yards, and two scores, one of them coming from that wild horn package that they're running with him. Keelan is one of those guys who's fast but runs angry, and I love that about <laughs> him. I 
I would I'm, I would name my third child Keelan if my wife would let me. But four carries, 42 yards, 30 of that came on one run where he basically broke three tackles and then was at top speed in half a second because that's what he does. And even our boy Jay Brooks, JB2K, seven carries, 47 yards in garbage time. Great outing from the ground game for Texas. Again, doing some things that we haven't seen in a very long time. Yeah, I'll start with Keelan. I mean, I remember how much we loved Trey Watson on this podcast. A transfer yep. who came in and did it, and, and a guy who we did not expect to be as nasty and mean and physical and inside the numbers runner as he was. Keelan Robinson has basically already looked like that with two extra gears uh, of speed. That 30-yard run, if he had another yard of basically sideline, that guy couldn't have got the angle on him. He was absolutely gone for some more. Um, you love Jonathan Brooks getting there. I, the, one of the, the touchdowns for Roshan was out of the uh, wildcat. We're going to have to have a conversation about Roshan hurting Bijan's Heisman candidacy taking all these touchdowns. But again, I, I love a two-headed monster. I, I mean, uh, Gerald, is this a section where we talk about Bijan Robinson as one of the best running backs in the country and his actual legitimate Heisman candidacy where we're not just blowing smoke i mean he he is doing some things this year that are that are just stupid i mean uh, 70 carries uh 436 yards over six yards of carry five rushing touchdowns again even though he's getting vultured uh <laughs> eight, eight eight catches for 145 that's 18 yards a, a touch in the air with two touchdowns i mean it basically uh his his yards per carry which is the less impressive i guess out of those two because he's broke some big passes is still fourth most among any running back with 70 touches his 581 total from scrimmage are fourth most in the nation and he's one of three players to do it uh with 400 and 100 plus i mean he he is living up to the billing and i kind of worried or just wondered will there be a huge step down from last year now that people understand and expect in the offense we know what it's centered on and the answer so far is kind of a no the issue I have, the only the only hesitation I have with calling him a Heisman Trophy frontrunner is that a running back hasn't won the award in like seven years, I think. Right. And, you know, uh, that was the first one in like another five years. So like two running backs in the last, right. I don't know, 12 years have won it. But that's neither here nor there. It's a good point. Um, that, that, but that being said... There is a legitimate, like, probably a Doak Walker Award winner at the end of the year if, if things continue on this trend. Bijan is a guy who won. We said it out there on Twitter on, on Saturday, but, like, cherish every time you see yeah. that guy touch the ball because you've only got another, what, there are probably nine games left this year, including a bowl, and then another third. So 22 games left of Bijan <laughs> Robinson. So just soak it all in uh, because he's going to – take his talents and all of them, every bit of his incredibly talented body to the next level, probably sooner rather than later. But for me, I think the thing that I, the, there are no superlatives that feel adequate to talk about the things that he's doing with the football right now. Yeah. There was a, there was a play where he broke a tackle and then was off balance and broke a tackle to <laughs> regain his balance. Like, Silly. and that was, I was just like, Silly. you don't do that in video games. Like no. I like, I am not that good at breathing, and breathing is not a thing that I have to co consciously do. It just happens <laughs> automatically. So it's nuts to me to think about that. But as we talk about him, we do have to talk about the offensive line. Absolutely. Because, and I'll just go and say, you and I have been very, very vocal about our criticism of the offensive line and the performance over the last four weeks, right? They were not great against Louisiana. They were, they were worse against Arkansas, yeah. uh, even though the numbers may not indicate it. They were better against Rice, but you didn't expect much. And they were really, really good against Texas Tech. You know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, of the numbers, 
depending on who you look at, Texas gave somewhere between zero and one quarterback hurries or quarterback pressures in that game. There was one. There, it was actually a really bad sequence, and I got frustrated because it was our, it was our usual suspect. I'm not going to name drop. There was a holding penalty, and then a QB hurry on back to back drives, and I fired up a tweet and then deleted it because like you know just calm down, it's fine, it'll be okay. But the offensive line overall was good. If you look at like again, I'm looking at the advanced rushing stats. Four four point one line yards per rush, meaning on on every rush on average, the line was giving him four yards. And if you do that three times, that's a first down. Yeah. So like he was he was able to get, and the running backs were able to get their work in without having to deal with junk in the backfield. Now again, Texas Tech may not be the best defensive line we're going to face for the rest of the year, but again, they may be. So seeing the 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 offensive line finally gelling after weeks of yelling for it. Uh, is a little vindicating and validating probably for Kyle Flood and those guys who who have been, you know, listening to the chatter for change for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, they came in number nine in the in the country uh, in in rush defense. I mean, again, you, we, we talked about it in our preview of, of who they'd played and, and that buoying the numbers. But, I mean, there was no reason to believe that this was just a, a huge negative, right? We talked about it with you got to beat who's out there. Texas has played three undefeated teams this year and gone two and one, right? They they have basically, you know, Arkansas aside, which Arkansas looks like a good team, they have they have played well and they've gotten better every week, especially on that offensive line, which I think is what you're asking for, right? They got punched in the mouth. They got embarrassed. They got, you know, taken to the woodshed. And how do you respond from that? And basically, I mean, Rice and Tech, again, it looks so lopsided that it's like, oh, they're terrible teams. But, I mean, you get punched in the mouth, you have a chance to respond. We'll look at these next two weeks and really get a, a read for that. I'm not expecting that we will give up, you know, less than one uh, pressure uh, every week, right? That's that's a rarity. But if you can keep that number a little bit lower, and again, you have Casey back there to kind of work in that pocket, then, then I think that that combination is going to work. You, you looked at, I think, one of the best ways to tell how an offensive line is feeling and performing. You looked at the quarterback sneaks. Thompson had one for a touchdown, one for a third down conversion, and he wasn't getting one and a half yards on a one yard. He was getting four yards. You know, they were just pushing him back where he could just fly in there. Um, and I, I and I mean, that's a good way to say the line was just pushing people uh, around, you know. And, and the, the biggest stat for me, um, I went back and looked when they took the starters out, they had given up zero negative plays. Again, I'm not counting the, the fumble between Bijan and Casey that led to the one sack as an offensive line responsible for negative play, right? That's a that's a fumble um, between the quarterback and, and tailback. But other than that, they had given up zero negative yardage plays. Um, you know, they had a couple one-yard runs, but that's fine. I will take that over getting hit negatively in the backfield. So, I mean, yeah. Earlier in the year, Bijan had to do a lot. He had 30, he has 36 forced missed tackles on only 85 touches this year, second most in, in college football. A lot of that was, you know, guys right at the line of scrimmage to give himself any of the yards he's getting. If 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 Bijan's legs and his ability is given a head of steam, like you the the run you referenced, Gerald, where he gets through the line, someone takes his legs, he regains his balance by bouncing off another guy. There's going to be dangerous, dangerous things for this offense if you can do that, as evidence again by each one of our first four running backs averaging six yards a carry. I mean, that this is good for Kyle Flood, right? All you can do is show improvement. If if they can just get better, a little bit better every single game, 
man, I like I like where that team's headed. And if you're the person that comments on every recruiting story, what about the offensive line recruiting? What about the offensive line recruiting? <laughs> if a five-star, high four-star talent sees what Kyle Flood is doing right now with the pieces they currently have, the, the radar dish is going to go up in their head and be like, oh, if he's got them going here, how high could I get? So we do have to talk about the wide receivers and the man. Um, mm-hmm. there, there are a couple of different people we have to talk about here, but we have to start. I think the wide receiver conversation has to start with Xavier Worthy, Big 12 newcomer of the week. Five receptions on six targets, 100 touchdowns. And the first time in school history, a freshman receiver has caught three touchdowns, which is just absolutely incredible performance. And and I put it in the, the BON Slack chat that we had going like, it's starting to become clear that Xavier Worthy is the biggest and most important offensive addition or the team addition in the offseason that we saw. Because without him, uh, the the receivers would not be looking so hot four weeks into the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. He, he is he is number one on the list of what you can expect going forward in the future of Sark kind of guys, right? He's the first Sark addition truly to this team where he got his guy that he already wanted to Alabama. You heard the announcer say multiple times in multiple weeks, but basically that just wiry fast twitch guy. He's not going to be the receiver. Who's six, six, you know, built of, of pure, you know, muscle and granite and, and jumps and him jump balls on the outside every time he's a guy who they get let him get a little space and you saw what he can do with that 63 yard touchdown when you know he's got speed gets one wiggle which again we we have seen much tougher more physical running from him than, than I really thought he had as a freshman uh with his body type but you know caught pretty much everything six targets caught five of them for 100 yards three of those for touchdowns one of those for you know all yak touchdown where he just broke a tackle and then went you saw some of that lightning speed why he might be the fastest probably is the fastest guy on campus as an 18 year old um I mean there was a point when his third touchdown was the goal line jump ball in the back of the end zone, which was just so sweet silky when I was trying to figure out it clicked for me at that moment that he looks like a nasty point guard playing basketball with his double moves and the routes that he plays. It's, it's, I can't really compare him necessarily to, to a lot of football players. It's the way he does that shifting of weight where he gets a defender leaning one way and then bounces back the other way quickly. It's just, you know, in this scenario, a quarterback like Casey Thompson, smart enough to read that puts the ball right there when, when that move happens and trust he's going to beat his man badly. And he did for that third touchdown, which again was, was one of my favorite touchdowns of the past few years, just absolutely beautiful. Well, and you talked about him being wiry, but like he is the prototype for the guy who succeeds in this offense. If you look at the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Devonta Smith, mm-hmm. came out of high school, six foot one sixty, literally the same dude. Like now, again, do not hear me saying that uh, Xavier Worthy is going to win the Heisman Trophy. Do not hear me saying that. I am not calling that. But if he does, I'm going to go back and say that I did say that. No, that's fine. <laughs> but. Like, this is the prototype for what Sark wants to do in this offense. This is the prototype for the guy who can, again, Sark talked about Ferraris in the offseason. Yeah. This is the Ferrari. Now, Texas has, I think, another guy who might not be a Ferrari, but he might be more of like a, a Ford Lightning, and that's Jordan Whittington. He's got a little bit more body to him, uh, less body now that he's cut his dreads. Sad day for us. But uh. Whittington had a had a great night for himself. As our, I guess Texas isn't going to play at night anytime soon. A great morning <laughs> for himself uh, as well. Uh, 
five receptions on seven targets for 93 and a score. One of that uh, was it was the the touchdown was they they credited it as a reception, yeah. but it was like kind of a shovel pass. It yep. was, I don't know what it was, but uh, it was a jet sweep action and the ball was was tossed to him. I don't want to say thrown to him and he took it in for, for a tough uh, short score, but got himself a touchdown in the process. That play Gerald was one of the just nastiest play design. Steve Sarkeesian moments we've seen. I think there's going to be more of those, but the way that little toss Jeff, so he did toss it forward. So it's a pass. Um, but the way that they did that and then ran the secondary action off of it with the, uh, the kind of zone read, uh, piece with with uh thompson and, and Bijan, they, they could have scored on either of those basically and i'm positive there is a scenario where they run the opposite and probably in the same game where they run both and just make i mean i took a screenshot of uh the, the outside defender who was supposed to tackle whittington as whittington was you know probably three maybe four steps into his carry heading straight towards the sideline at that point looking as as whittington runs past him looking at uh, the opposite direction at Card and, or excuse me, at, at, at Thompson and Bijan, because again, it was just so well conceived with the line diving down the other way and with uh, them selling it hard. That again, it was it was beautiful. I, I I loved everything about that. And and again, he was if that ball's thrown where he can go up and get it in the pylon earlier from Thompson on that uh, on that throw, then he probably has two touchdowns over 100 yards. That's that'd be our what 19th time, 18th time and no 19th time in school history where we had 200 yard performers. So we're getting close to doing some elite, you know, stuff. And I think this offense is really, really humming to the point where we can almost say, ah, so this is what Sark is thinking. And again, just know he wants more Xavier Worthies. He wants more guys like that. I like your, your Ford lightning, Jordan Winnington uh, <laughs> type, but he wants more Ferraris. Um, and, I, I really feel like if in year one we're already seeing the offense can do these kinds of things, then, you know, they look out. Again, this offense is – it's not even close to optimized, and, and they're still doing these types of things. So I'm very curious to see how it continues. Texas uh, got it done on third downs, 10 of 14 on the day, 71%. Uh, the average distance – this was really uh, like a tail of the tape for Texas. Average distance to go on, on third down is five yards. Uh, and so it's, it tells of a game that they stayed ahead of the change. They just had one third down attempt longer than nine yards. So, again, they stayed on schedule for most of it. Uh, gained an average of 11 yards on uh, third down uh, in Texas – on the years converting uh, almost 60% of their third downs they actually are uh, sitting second in the FBS and the red zone, six of six for rushing and two passing uh, 19 of 20 of their red zone trips this year have led to touchdowns. So Texas getting it done on the money downs and in the money area yep. continue again. If they continue this trend, they could be, they, this could be a good season. Yeah, I mean, that, that's where I want to look at stats, right? I mean, when I finish watching a game, I typically have a feel, but, you know, I'm going to dive through the, the box score in the first place that I look before any yardage, anything I look at is, is what are our third down and red zone numbers looking like. Again, the fact that Texas is 95% of red zone trips have, have been not just scores, but touchdowns um, is unreal. Cincinnati, number seven, Cincinnati is uh, the second best in there, you know, I think like, 80 something percent um so no one is particularly close to how good texas has been and that's a tenant of a steve sarkeesian offense he said it many times trading field goals for touchdowns in the red zone is his part of his whole philosophy um but gerald texas tech speaking of the other money the third downs um texas tech came in 28th in the country in red zone defense um do you know where they are ranked now 103 <laughs> unfortunately texas scored two 
or three touchdowns from like the 20 or the 23 yard line. So those didn't count. <laughs> right um, so it didn't go, but they are currently sitting at 69th uh, place. So they, they dropped uh, 40 spots uh, after this one. And again, it could have been much, much worse if Texas hadn't taken a couple shots outside of the, the 20 yard demarcation. So um, all in all, nothing you can complain about. Solid offensive day from Texas. And again, record setting performances in a lot of ways. And, and I think, Hopefully, if, if this trend continues over the next couple of weeks, you could be not just pumping sunshine, but actually pumping real live news of positive things in your earbuds. Kyle, we do have to talk about the defense a little bit and probably a lot of bit. That's fine. Um, it was it was it was a thing, right? The the 70 points put up by the offense makes it look like it wasn't as bad as it was and that a lot of this was garbage time, which really it probably could be considered garbage time based upon scoring differentials and number of, you know, drives available to you. But Texas gave up 520 yards. Mm -hmm. Um, 392 of those came through the air to the guy who was deemed the backup. Tyler Shuck uh, was injured on a six yard touchdown scramble. That end zone has injured so many quarterbacks. And you know what? I'm totally fine with it that they're not Texas quarterbacks. He was replaced by Henry Columbia, uh, who went 17 to uh, 23 for 324 and three touchdowns. Three of those three touchdowns were 40 yards, 69 yards, and 75 yards. Uh, 276 of the 392 passing yards came on completions longer than 15 yards. Not a great outing from the Longhorn pass defense. Yeah, I mean, look, hot take here, Texas Tech fans, if you're listening to this. Again, thank you for, for coming back and, and listening. I hope you're doing okay. Um, but uh, hot take is, is Columbia looked at least as good as, as, as Shuck did, if not better. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. I, think he, I think he's out for a couple of weeks, so I'll keep an eye and see how uh, how he leads that offense. But, I mean, he threw a couple perfect balls. At first, when, when I first watched it, I was kind of mad that, that – um, uh, BJ gave up our, our first two touchdowns. He kind of went too wide and let uh, Shuck get that dive that he, you know, that he could um, basically by by giving him a, a straight zone to the end zone. And then he had a, a, a one uh, one deep coverage where he was asked to get, or I guess too deep, but asked to get from one hash to the other sideline. Um, and at first, I, I thought that was on him. It was just kind of a, a perfect play call, perfect timing and a truly perfect throw from Columbia and, and uh, he could have taken a little deeper angle, but it was, I mean, full sprint from him from the jump trying to get over to that spot. And they just hit it um, on that, on that touchdown. But the other kind of two really bad ones were back to back passes. Basically, I think 69 and 75 back to back um, against Jameson, Gerald. I mean, we, yeah. we, we came in touting that, you know, we had one lockdown corner, and if Josh Thompson could be good, you know, uh, we would we would be a potentially elite uh, secondary. Um, and it feels like you know, Schooler, who who we we liked his experience, maybe um, it feels like Jameson and Schooler right now are the are kind of the the weak links of the secondary. I don't know which one. It was one of the two ridiculously long ones, but you know, Schooler was supposed to be over the top as the safety was out of position. And then as he came back into position, laid a big hit on Deshaun Jameson, which this that's going to get turned into a gif and people are going to use it to make fun of Texas. Yeah. Much like the OU hitting Case McCoy gif, remind everybody that uses that Texas won that game. So, like, 
it seems like, and it was reflected actually on the, the depth chart that came out on Monday, that Brendan Schooler's performance is being noticed. Because I think yeah. there's, we talked about it in the post-game live stream, which had been there, but there were some bad handoffs between zones. And I think that's yeah. communication between the corner and the safety. And so if the quarter and the safety are Brendan Schooler and Deshaun Jamison, that, that happened twice. It's hard to see a guy who's so talented as a special teams contributor struggling on the defensive side of the ball because he has, and we've seen him as a defensive playmaker in multiple outings. And so I'm curious to see what it looks like, how short the leash is. We saw Darian Dunn get some play in that game. And again, uh, as it stands right now on Monday at 8.20 p.m., uh, they flipped the order of the or on the depth yeah. chart that came out. So now it's no longer Brendan Schooler or Jaron Thompson. It's Jaron Thompson or Brendan Schooler. So there's at least one change coming to that secondary because of the performance we saw on, uh, on Saturday. And you're basically trading, I think – a floor in schooler that you think is going to be higher because of the experience versus the ceiling in Thompson. But if you look at the snap share um, this season, um, they're, they're close to equal. I think Thompson might even actually be ahead. So even though he hasn't been starting, he's been playing um, a lot. Um, and so I don't think this is, you know, too drastic of a change for the defensive shock or anything. And just, you know, schooler has had a couple tough looks um, and, and, you know, he's still going to contribute. I don't think he's out of the team. Um, yeah. So, so, but you know, Thompson is a playmaker. I, I had one play on him that he kind of, I went back and watched and, and was trying to make a play and just kind of whiffed. Um, and so he's a young guy who's going to try to make plays. So you, add a little element of risk but again the upside is there he is a playmaker I think Jaron Thompson we said it in our preseason preview has some of the most upside of anyone on that defensive side of the ball I mean he's a guy who could be and should be playing on Sundays as the next DBU he's not elite at any one thing he just looks like a Texas defensive back who can make plays and do all kinds of things and so I I I like him getting back there again for the ceiling. But the other guy that I want to really talk about in that defensive backfield is is the one who I think showed out and actually looked good. Josh Thompson this season, across 90 coverage snaps this season, only been targeted seven times, Gerald. Four catches allowed on those seven. Uh, zero touchdowns, one interception, which he did take back for a touchdown. He also was locked on on Eric Ezekama, uh, especially in the in the second half, and really limited him. I mean, there was a catch where Ezekama got it for a screen, which he's had a lot of success with in, in games past and and he immediately tackled him for a one yard gain I mean that I thought Josh Thompson was was one of if not our our best uh defenders on the day I thought outside of him probably defensive lineman there's a couple we can talk about but uh everyone else has room for improvement in this one and, and really uh the Jamison versus Darian Dunn if you just look at one game debate you know is an interesting one because I thought Dunn flashed and Jamison this was probably his worst or one of his worst just from a pure coverage perspective performances is a long one he was great last year so I think he's got the talent so we'll see how it how it shakes out there Thompson is a guy who I think has 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 needed and, and really kind of grinded it out and stuck it out through mm -hmm. you know coaching changes and frustration so I'm glad to see him finally getting uh some of that shine and and we'll talk about uh, the success Texas did have defensively we talked about it quite a bit pregame that that easy e eric uzakonma was a guy that that could go off against texas and texas very much came into that game saying you can get your catches but they're going to stay in front of us they mm -hmm. gave him seven to ten yards off the ball every down which is a great decision in retrospect ended up with seven receptions uh but just 56 yards and so that is uh, a really great outing for a guy who's hit 
150 plus in two performances this year. Uh, Tech found success with some of the other guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kalen Geiger, five receptions, 100 yards. He was the recipient of the 75-yard touchdown. Uh, Miles Price, five receptions for 75 yards. He was on the receiving end of the 40-yarder. And then uh, Lowich Fujifu... I'm not even going to go. Loic F had two receptions for 81 <laughs> yards and 69 of those came on one touchdown. So like there's, that was a great performance from uh, Texas limiting Eric Uzakanma. Cause that, again, if you can lock down, if you can lock down that guy and, and Deshaun Jameson doesn't get beat twice, yep. then we're looking at a completely different score, completely different conversation. And, and that's going to be hopefully a recipe for success over the next couple of weeks. And you and, and yeah, exactly. I mean, three catches for forty-two on the in the first quarter, only four catches for fourteen after that. Even when they were giving him yards, they just locked him down uh, in in the later part of the game, and that was great. I do think on Jamison, both of his, he was kind of um, in a press coverage, wasn't pressing, but was playing straight man from the line, um, was hand fighting a little down the field, and it almost felt like you know you know you're as fast as any receiver, um, you know just get the positioning right and, and worry a little bit less about that, and and I think that can be coached, and I think maybe he was. Uh, he was thinking about that touchdown that should have been yet again. The poor guy has, you know, three career uh, special teams touchdowns and about nine that should have been. Um, so maybe, maybe he was distracted with the game being uh, pretty much at hand at that point. But nonetheless, you gotta you gotta coach that. You have to you, you have to be better as one of our one of our leaders um, in Jamison, and, and you expect better. And again, I hope uh, against TC, we'll, he'll have something to say about that. Texas did a great job bottling up the run game. Uh, Tech was without their leading rusher. Uh, uh, but they did return their top backs to Roderick Thompson, who had 16 carries for 54 yards. Uh, Chedarius Townsend uh, went two for 30. He had 26 on one carry. Xavier White, seven carries for 20 yards. Tech averaged just under four yards per carry. And really the story for me, again, I look at the advanced stats. Texas uh, only gave up two and a half line yards per carry and they had a stuff rate of 21%. So on on two out of every or I guess one of every five rushes, it got met at the line or worse. Like that is a great performance in the run game for the Longhorns and that's what we need to see over the next 2 weeks. And they were just winning against against Tech's offensive line. They <clears throat> on key downs on thirds and even fourth downs when they went for it, um, they often tried kind of some off-tackle runs and it felt like um, they might have got those first downs if it weren't for individual players, whether it's Baron Sorrell or it was Alfred Collins or um, Moro Ojimo, uh, Kind of, uh, I think Broughton may have had one of those. They had six tackles for loss, but basically guys getting uh, beating their man straight up and getting the the running back. And when they did and got their hands on him, putting him down. Um, I thought our defensive line looked good um, in the against the the run. They they did all right getting to Columbia. I think he moved around better than I expected. He was, he was pretty good in the pocket, moving around a little bit there. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought our defensive line played well. We had some questions we asked, uh, you know, needed answered in this one after the Arkansas game and not really being able to tell from Rice. I think they, they played well, but I, I hope there's even another gear for them again as we've touted one of our most talented units. The offensive lines in the Big 12 are not, are not as good as they have been. TCU is not the offensive line that they have been in the past. And so bottling up Zach Evans is going to be key. OU only has two scholarship running backs and their offensive line has a lot, a lot, a lot of questions. So out against West Virginia. So if Texas can continue this upward trajectory that they've had over the last couple of weeks, it could be, it could, I'm, I'm not saying 
Texas is going to win in, T- in Fort Worth for the first time since 2013. Not saying that. I'm not going to say it's going to beat OU, but I'm saying if this trend continues, we could have some positive things to talk about. So, Kyle, Podstradamus update. You hit Casey Thompson going over 250 and less than 130 for Easy E. That one was kind of a bunt single, but it is what it is. I thought this game was going to be close, so I assumed that Bijan would get a bunch of touches. But again, I'm fine with losing Podstradamus if it means that Bijan doesn't play for a quarter and a half. Totally fine with that. So, missed on Bijan for 25, but did say that Texas would come away with two sacks. You are up on the Podstradamus picker five to three on the year. Gerald, if you would have said it at three sacks, I would have given it to you because there was one where Jacoby Jones had Columbia on fourth down. He just kind of underhanded it out. That that should have been. So if it was close, I would have given it to you. You earned that one. Um, the Bijan one was tough. I was I was kind of excited to get both. I was worried about Ezen Kanma when he, on that first drive, started getting him. Gerald, before we move off of this game i need to talk to you about two things on the defensive side of the ball first of all have you ever seen a defensive eye formation lining up in in a stack a basketball inbound stack attacking an offense have you ever seen anything about like what coach k rolled out twice on third down Never. I have never <laughs> seen an eye formation from a defensive line. I mean, it, it, it was great because Al Collins got a sack on one of them, right? He, uh, it was, it was amazing. He he got a little little movement and then beat his guy with a good move and just almost got a safety. Um, but the better part about that is, you get if they run that multiple times, you get basically a linebacker blitz from Keandre Coburn where he gets all of that mass moving with like six yards of head of steam <laughs> at a center. And whether he gets the sack or not, that's just a center after that's like, give me the next series off. I don't want to play. Like that's just a terrible Tap thing. Your I, helmet, take me out. <laughs> I love I loved it. Um they obviously wouldn't use that in third and short or third and medium where a run could be coming. But if it's third and everything, it's a really interesting wrinkle from Coach K and I like it. We're starting to see Playbooks open some interesting things there. The other thing, Gerald, I wanted to ask you, um, a a bit of trivia, because I think this is great for our defense. There's some areas we know they need to improve, but Gerald, how many penalties has the Texas defense had called and accepted on them since our opening Louisiana game? Four. So in Louisiana, during that game, we had three for 30 yards, which is still a a good performance. You know, that's not killing anyone. Yeah. Since then, there has been one for half of a yard. The the schooler body slam was Texas's first defensive penalty in three games, Gerald. They almost went three clean sheets. I, like, triple-checked because that just seemed nuts to me. Uh, They couldn't get close enough to Arkansas to get a penalty, I think. Um, But also (laughs) against Rice, they they, they had a clean sheet, which was was great. So I'm not even that mad about schooler. You do you on the goal line. You know, I didn't hate it. But uh, that basically moved them one half of a yard. So uh, on the year, they have four penalties for 30 and one half yard which is again through four games that's incredible a offense not having a ton there's a little on the offensive line but this team has been elite on on not killing themselves with with penalties here's the thing i understand that probably a, a belly or like a german suplex is frowned upon in college football but there is something to be said about the offensive player continuing his forward progress and you needing to do something to stop them. So we will be back on Thursday 
to talk about our uh, preview of the TCU game. Kyle and I will work through our uh, phobia of the color purple again, the jersey uh, uniform color, not the movie or book or stage play, uh, but the color purple itself. And we'll be back to preview the TCU Horn Frogs. So now it's the part of the show where we whip around the rest of the campus pretty quickly and we down the 40. Number one volleyball closed out their non-conference uh, schedule by beating Rice 3-0. All the usual suspects showed up in that one. Logan Eggleston, 13 kills, 7 digs. Skyler Fields, 8 kills. Brownie Butler, 8 kills. And now they open up conference play against West Virginia at home in a twofer this week. Soccer goes on the road, extended road trip, beats Kansas State and OU to start conference play. 2-0 win over Kansas State. Trinity Byers and Julia Grosso contributed goals in that one. And then kind of a, uh, an exciting game. They were up like they were up 3-0, I believe, and then things got a little dicey. But a 4-3 win over the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, the winner was uh, was put over or put into the net in the 88th minute by uh, Cindy Nobles. A, a heck of an outing from, from the ladies this weekend. Yeah, there's three players I want to talk about in the, uh, here. Just remember, we'll have plenty of time to talk about them. Trinity Byers, she had two in in the OU game. Uh, MJ Cox also scored. Um, and Lexi Missimo had three assists in that one. Uh, Briars is seven in the last five. We've talked about Lexi a lot. Um, those two plus, again, MJ Cox were all top ten recruits in last year's class and all played on the same uh, Solar SC club in Dallas coach uh, by coach, Mr. Alexi's dad. Um, so uh, there's really good things coming. Those are our three best players right now with Grasso, our four best players, and three of them are true freshmen who are just coming in. So our soccer team is, is certainly looking on the up now that they've, uh, I believe, with this one, won five straight. Five straight to move to six Three and two on the season, two uh, two and zero oh in conference play. Next up, they're hosting TCU and Texas Tech on Thursday and Sunday, respectively. Men's tennis performed in the Southern Intercollegiate Championship uh, on Friday. They picked up a doubles win in two and uh, two of four singles matches against uh, Georgia on Saturday. They were swept by USC in doubles and then won four of six singles matches on Saturday. Sunday, they added in a doubles win and a singles win against Ohio State. So hopefully, those things. Will continue to move forward. The women's cross country team uh, has been on a bit of a tear to start the season. They won their second meet of the year. They won the Concordia Classic. Uh, it was actually their second time this year taking all seven of the top seven finishes. Kyle, Beth Ramos ran a 6K in 20 minutes. Yeah, I, I could run a K in 20 minutes if I were, you know, feeling good, well hydrated, and well stretched. 3.7 miles. <laughs> in 20 minutes. Also making the leaderboard, Isabel Hebner, uh, competing for a first time in 29, uh, since 2019, finished with a 21-30. Her sister, Monica Hebner, finished just four seconds behind her. Uh, Eva Jess continued to improve, actually uh, had her, hit her second personal record on the year, the 21-43-3. Alexa Rodriguez narrowly edged, <laughs> edged out uh, with a PR of 21-43-6, and six, which is... Just ah, it's so tough. I'd have kicked her or something. <laughs> the uh, the Tarati sisters, the the McCoy brothers, the Foreman brothers. Now we have the Hebner sisters. I love a a uh, a sibling duo on a Longhorn uh, team in the same sport. It's uh, I- I'm excited to watch them crush it. Absolutely. So next up for the cross country team, there is the FSU Invitational in October. All right, Daryl, I'm going to hit a quick burnt orange lenses. First, the Ryder Cup 
USA brought the, the cup back uh, to the states uh, through the uh, the tea in the harbor, but we did actually play this one uh, in Wisconsin. Um, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth on that team, helping Team USA win. Scheffler actually beat world number one John Ram four and three. That's a that's a pretty sound whooping, um, validating Steve Stricker's pick of him went two zero and one over the weekend. Basically, he was the last guy picked. A lot of people were challenging whether he deserved to be there. He was young. He's a rookie, um, and I think beating world number one, who had been playing fantastic golf up to that point was undefeated uh was was fantastic spieth had a a good tournament but one of the most just silly kind of back-to-back days things i've said he had a shot that was up this green he was standing on a hill in this grass that was waist deep basically hit a shot and it was so ridiculous the force of catching the green knocked him down the hill he ran about 30 (laughs) feet and almost fell in the lake because he was stumbling trying not to fall um was a true athlete play um but then put it about four feet from the cup just absolutely one of the most stupid golf shots i've ever seen in my life and the next day he had a five foot putt that lipped at least 360 degrees. One of the most brutal uh, just lip outs that I've ever seen in golf. So that's that's consecutive days. And it just reminds you that these guys get paid millions of dollars, do it all the time. And, and uh, if you're a weekend golfer, know that it's tough. Uh, the other <laughs> the other uh, piece I'll, I'll, I'll hit on here is that uh, we had a couple women's basketball uh, knows Charlie Collier named to the all rookie team, Arrow Atkins named to the all defense second team. And then MLB, uh, great right now brandon belt um with just a week's worth of games to play um is is all fans are hoping he'll be back he just picked up an injury trying to bunt pull him back hit his thumb um but he's had a week man um he basically had a home run to uh break the team record not individual although he is leading the team with 29 home runs even after missing eight weeks of play uh hit a home run to give them their 236th team home run on the year he also hit 235 in this game game which broke the San Francisco Giants team record from the year that Barry Bonds hit 73. And if it sounds like a fluke, trust me, boys, it is it is not. Uh, Brandon Belt is is living the memes. He's hilarious on social media right now. Uh, he taped a C on his chest with duct tape and played a full game with it, naming himself captain, um, which is amazing. And then right now he's hitting, since he came back from injured list, uh, a 107-1 OPS over 176 at-bats. Is on a pace with those home runs 18 in that 41-game span of 71 home runs a year. He's playing like a legitimate MVP candidate. Mazel tov to Tara Davis and her, her now fiance, three, uh, three-time Paralympic medalist, Hunter Woodall, got engaged over the weekend. So big ups to them. We're always excited to see more uh, more power couples because, again, Aaron Ross and Sonia Richards got together and their kids will be real fast. And same thing goes for Tara and Hunter. Many, uh, many happy returns to them. And that's part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle... What are you banging the drum on this week? So there's been a lot of moaning on Texas internet about uh, 11 a.m. kicks, and I understand, rightfully so. It's it's tough. Your your morning coffee's still hot, or or your ice is melting, depending if you drink cold brew. Uh, you know, you're finishing up your eggs. It's it's it just feels uh it feels a bit rushed, and and uh your day you don't really get time to, to settle in for for college football and be up and ready for Longhorn kick. Um, but it does seem that the Texas team is up for it. If the tech game is any uh, notice, we will see very soon, very shortly, uh, if they can continue that as they have announced uh, TCU, obviously, and now uh, OU, which will actually be on ABC, so no 11 a.m. 
Gus uh, Gus to make up for it. Um, but they uh, they will be playing a lot of 11 a.m. kicks. And when I talk about kicks, whether it is the the time that the game kicks off or his mean sneaker game uh, procured by his his wife, as uh, the Longhorn Network commercial tells us, Sark is Sark doesn't have to worry about kicks. So a thing that came out that was interesting. Um, Cedric Golden was talking and mentioned kind of offhand about the schedule that Texas was was currently on, and I realized something I didn't, that Sarkeesian is a morning practice guy. So I don't know exactly what Herman did, but I do know that Mac Brown was always an afternoon um, practice guy. His schedule basically, you know, they they had meetings at 3.30, 4 to 6 practices. Um, Sark will have players getting there at 8, go through their meetings at 8.30, practice 9, be off by 11. Um, so they are a, a morning practice uh, team. Their bodies, body clock is a real thing, are more attuned uh, to it. 11 a.m. should not bother them as much. Again, whether it's great for the fans or not is another thing. They'll play about five of them this year, depending on that Big 12 championship game, which was also, uh, spoiler alert, named for 11 o'clock. But I went back and looked at Tom Herman. Tom Herman went a very average 7-8 and eight in 11 a.m. kickoffs. He lost to Maryland twice, uh, OU twice, uh, three times, excuse me, uh, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Iowa State all at that 11 a.m. slot. He had uh, wins over OU once, uh, Kansas Tech, Kansas State last year, if you remember that, uh, Molly Wapping, West Virginia twice, and Baylor back in 2017. He uh, had a winning record only once that 2018 year they went two and one um, and otherwise had a 500 record once and two losing 11 a.m record so texas if they're going to keep getting 11 a.m kickoffs they actually seem to be more suited in better hands with a morning practice guy like sark i think um for the schedule we have that's a little bit that could swing a point or two enough in what could be some close games coming up Kyle, I'm going to say this, and I say this with all the love in my heart. I don't care when you play as long as you show up to do it. That is my, I, whatever. You can complain about the 11 a.m. kickoffs. It is what it is. I've got kids, so that's super great because we're already <laughs> getting ready to figure out what lunch is at that point. Our coffee, and we're on our second cup at that point. Like It's not even an issue for me. But like we get so wrapped up in all of this like other stuff that doesn't matter, and it's like, if they show up and win, then it doesn't necessarily matter. And the rest of that stuff will just take care of itself. And on that note, I'm banging the drum this week on the rankings or lack thereof for the Texas Longhorns. Now, we all know that the rankings mean absolutely nothing. And if you don't, let me say it for you again. The rankings mean absolutely nothing in week four. Preseason rankings are stupid and shouldn't exist. Yeah. Rankings in the first week of conference play are stupid and shouldn't exist. There is no reason to be ranking teams preseason because then you end up with stuff like Clemson still being a top 15 team even though they look like hot trash warmed over twice in their games you get stuff like OU being ranked really high even though if West Virginia had a halfway competent offensive performance they'd have lost that game by two scores so here's the here's the thing here's the secret you ready for the secret to get rid of your anxiety about rankings now real anxiety is a thing and there's no secret to getting rid of it but your rankings anxiety here is the secret lean in you ready for it win your games and the ranking will figure itself out that is the thing you need to worry about do not worry about the number next to their name if you win all your games everything else will shake out 
in the end. Win them all. Win the rest of them on the schedule, and the number next to your name will figure itself out. You know what else will happen? The players will get on the team, and that number will continue to get smaller and smaller, and the recruiting class will get bigger and bigger, and that number will continue to stay small. But at this point, this Texas program, win your games, everything else will shake out in the wash. And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Kirby. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod on Facebook and Instagram. We're the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. That was for Chris Beard.